Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, hour number two. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Big thanks to Chip Patterson of CBSSports.com. Uh, all of our guests appear via the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Shout out to Body Works Plus. Uh, they are pros. They make it simple. And if you have a uh, an accident, a bit of an automotive boo-boo, if you will, go see my friends Brian Davey and uh, the crew at Body Works Plus guest hotline. They will take great care of you, and I can't stress enough. Uh, they are professionals. That is not an enjoyable experience when you uh, – you know, you get in a fender bender, you get rear-ended, you get uh, T-boned or whatever. But, you know, you, when you go there, you want that experience to be as pleasant as possible, I guess is the, the best word I can come up with. Body Works Plus is the place to go. We've got Paul Biancardi, we believe, in 18 minutes talking college hoops. And Nate Wimberly back in studio, 5 o'clock, top of the hour, to talk about the Hornets, the Panthers at the NFL Combine, and uh, a whole lot more. But right now, it is time for the best audio in sports. What did you say? You what? What did you say? Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. What did I hear you say? What I mean by that is... What you got over there? All right. Well, yesterday, the big news around here, Kyle, was that Jeff Peterson is likely, not official, but likely becoming the new president of basketball operations for the Charlotte Hornets. And a man who also worked in Brooklyn for a time or two. Uh, Bobby Marks joined Wesson Walker yesterday to discuss what traits Peterson has that he could help the Hornets with moving forward. Probably the years when they, when they first came in in 2016 where they, they there was a patience to how they built that roster. They didn't skip steps. Um, you know, I, I basically kind of what we started to see at the trade deadline where you know you go out and acquire Bertons and uh, Grant Williams and Trey Mann, guys that are you know kind of you know um, you know we're not part of whether not part of rotations and, and you know guys looking for that second chance or that third chance as far as the opportunity and that's how it was in Brooklyn when you looked at them going out and getting D'Angelo Russell and Joe Har- they signed Joe Harris and players uh, drafted you know Car- um, Jared Allen guys like that and you kind of start, that's how you start building uh, building a roster. I mean, I, at the end of the day, though, guys, I mean, it, it, it really comes down to LaMelo. I mean, that's the, that's the wild card in, in this all. If, if LaMelo Ball can't stay healthy, then, you know, then you're going to have to, you're going to have some hard decisions in Charlotte as far as what you want to do there. And, and the, the body of work says that he has not been able to stay healthy here. So that's the, the first big thing is that he's got to figure out as far as is LaMelo Ball the face of the, of the organization moving forward. Um, and you're not going to answer that overnight and you're not going to answer that in the next six weeks, but that's probably a, a conversation, um, you know, certainly, um, certainly in the off season here. So he says, you're not going to answer that in the next six weeks. We've already talked about LaMelo a little bit. I am highly perturbed at this situation, especially after listening to Steve Clifford again last night. It couldn't be any more clear to anyone listening that uh, this is a LaMelo and his camp driven situation. Steve won't go so far as to Steve's never going to out anybody, but and he also kind of had LaMelo's back last night where he said, yeah, you know, I, I know he wants to be out here, but da 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 and, you know, there are, you know, there are people around him who are cons- afraid of him playing. It's what it is. So you say that you can't determine that in the next six weeks, but, man, I do wonder if over the next six weeks, if they get the sense that he's healthy enough to play and he's just not, I mean, couldn't you possibly determine it then in the next six weeks? I mean, I... Smoke, you, you make the fail. What do you think? I just, I wish it was more upfront. It's one of those situations where I feel like we're going to know more about this in the off season. Like there's going to be some type of write up by, by the time we're in June and July that might 
show shed some more light in this situation but it's just a fresh like look i don't want to be nosy we're we're not inside that building but it's like okay can you tell us something but you know what I, i'm tired of having to clarify that I'll, I'll say it one final time folks i'm not really that interested in the personal medical information of these guys i'm not trying to be snoopy or nosy or invasive but there are a lot of people like Susie the bail bondsman who called in yesterday who pay an ass load of money to go watch this team play 41 times a year they'd like to know when the superstar the star player that just got extended and is supposed to be the face of the franchise they'd like to know when he's going to play again yeah brandon miller's exciting but you know there for a minute anyway some people thought that they had something because you know you might have two guys well i still think you have two extremely talented dudes but has something changed with Lamelo? has the dynamic changed i think it was I, I did get a text earlier by the way who was it chad in greenville maybe who seem to think that uh, this is all much ado about nothing and that LaMelo will be back in, in short order. Something along those lines. I hope. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope so, too. But I don't know I don't know how you could say that with a great deal of certainty right now based on what we're seeing. What else you got? All right. Speaking of uh, new faces and new places, Kalen DeBoer was under some fire from Bama fans yesterday as while he was on the Next Round po uh, podcast, he admitted – that he's not exactly like Nick Saban, and his vocabulary isn't that colorful. Tom said, a decade, never one, one bad word out of your mouth. He's up in the booth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's up in the booth. He's a long ways away. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I think that was just his way, and it was an yeah, interview of saying, Kalen's a great guy. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, to me, um, I mean, there's a fire, don't get me wrong. There's a fire, and there's uh there's a competitiveness that, uh, you know, the guys see. I think they see that already in the workouts and um, they'll, you know, they feel that and uh, how we, you know, meet in team meetings and, um, you know, the standard that uh, exists. Um, it's still the same standard. It's just messaged a different way, I think. And um, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, you are who you are. So what are they mad at him about? He isn't a cussing type of coach. I mean, they, need a, they want some fire from him. They, they think he's too calm. Like we had, didn't we have this discussion on the show weeks ago? People who don't cuss. I think we did a couple of months ago, right? I mean, it's not that not cussing is not a big thing for me because Dean Smith was in this area. No, I, I, I respect it. I really do. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not among you. I myself feel like uh, you know, a good pronounced f bomb every once in a while. You know, do, do you some good. It's a lot of fun anyway. Can't I can't say it on the radio. I saw a lot of people within SEC country having fun with this, saying, Kalen DeBurr doesn't really cuss. Meanwhile, Kirby Smart and some of the locker room speeches that have been leaked out. <laughs> like, yeah! That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, don't talk. I mean, it's a Southern thing. No, no. Have you heard Kirby Smart? No. It's definitely not that, okay? Uh, Kalen DeBoer just chooses not to. I mean, good for him. That's, that's great. I think people who choose not to, that's awesome. You know, I myself think that, you know, a well-placed expletive just, you know, spices up life and makes things funnier from time to time what else you got well a shocker happened yesterday kyle no it's not me and my love lies but we found out yes charles, well, okay that's one of them but another one we found out charles barkley has an instagram page which means charles barkley is now officially on social media and while being lectured by the inside the nba crew on some of the pitfalls of social media Shaq, of course tried to lead the round mound of rebound down the wrong path and every time you send out a uh, send out a picture of you, you got a hashtag OnlyFans. <laughs> no, 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 listen. 
through that. Do you know what OnlyFans? Whatever no, picture you send out, just hashtag OnlyFans. No, no, only, listen to it. For OnlyFans of mine? No, no, yes, no, yes. don't no, listen to it. <laughs> do not listen to this. Uh, no, OnlyFans is a... No, I'm not even explaining this on my phone. I'm not even OnlyFans Every is post a check, just hashtag a Charles Barkley backslash OnlyFans. No, that's a site that you do not want to be on. I'm learning, man. You are. What, what do you want me to say? I don't have any OnlyFans jokes queued up for you, man. I don't have it. I don't have it. Certainly, Charles. That means OnlyFans has, um, you know, unfortunately become part of the lexicon. So everybody knows what it is. Yes. It, it is what it is. Um, even Chuck knew. But that's funny. Hashtag OnlyFans. All right. Just play me another one. All right. We end with Mac, who you are no longer listening to because earlier today he didn't rank baseball as one of the top five toughest sports to play. But his number one pick, I don't think you'll argue with that much, was a tie between boxing and MMA. And Mac revealed something from his past in the process. Bone, I was in a charity boxing match against my producer, Jay. What? Back back in Jacksonville. (laughs) Um, I was in a charity boxing match. I have never been so exhausted. And our rounds were one minute. It was three (laughs) one-minute rounds. And by the way, I was young then. I was thin then. I was in 50 times better shape than I am right now. Oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. If anybody has ever boxed. You know what I'm talking I've about. Heard that. Yep. It is exhausting. Just try holding your arms up in that position for three minutes straight. Like I'm, I'm not even joking. It, I was exhausted. I could barely move back in that locker room after our sorry fight was over, and we only bo- boxed for three total minutes, one minute rounds. I'm telling you. I'm telling <laughs> Who you. Right, won? I'm telling you right. I don't even. I don't. I don't even remember. I think I lost. Yeah, I you I lost. lost. That's. But next. anyway, if I was gonna say, if all he said was I don't remember, that's the next. Yeah, if you don't remember, you lost. Okay, uh, but. At least he said it right there. He lost to his producer, huh? That's okay. You know, it's all, it's all about entering the ring. He's right about that. First of all, I thought his top five sports list was an abomination this morning. Um, really? Well, a lot of it. Not all of it. I actually agree with him on fighting. You know, his number one was boxing slash MMA, I think, slash wrestling. I think he put them all together. I uh, didn't really mention wrestling. I think okay. that got mentioned on the list uh, that uh, I think ESPN came out with years ago. I actually agreed with him putting motorsports in the top five. Oh, of course you did. Okay, you try getting in that oven. For- no no one says it's not impressive and that it's not difficult. I'm not saying that. But auto racing in the top five. most What does most difficult sport mean? First of all, we got to start there. What does most difficult sport mean? I think it's the, both the physical and mental challenge of having to be, if you're like a top tier at the top tier, that you can do it on a week-in, week-out basis. Okay, like Sir Lloyd Hader, he's with me immediately. He said Max List was terrible. Um respectfully there's to me there's no way you can put nascar or auto racing in the top five you just can't in my opinion you can't do it um i agree with fighting obviously i agree with football and i i have actually have a lot of respect for the cardiovascular you know shape of soccer players but there is we all generally agree there's no harder feat in sports than hitting a baseball at the professional level there's nothing harder in pro sports. It's hard to do it when it's 70 miles an hour. It's the hardest singular feat. Now, I would argue that the hardest job in pro sports is playing quarterback in the NFL, but the hardest singular feat is hitting a baseball at the major league level. So if that's the case, baseball should be in every single top five at the very least. Hockey's got to be in a top five for me, even though I'm not a big hockey guy. No, just Because you're going top speed on metal, on ice, and you need the, the most unbelievable 
caliber of, of hand-eye coordination and athleticism. But that, that doesn't apply to motorsports? No, not in the same way. It's an incredibly grueling test of endurance and mental focus. No doubt about it. That sounds a lot like motorsports. You're not lifting. You're not running. You're not pushing. You're not being impeded. You are. Yeah, you're, you're being pushed. I saw <laughs> them get pushed last week. You better stop right now. <laughs> you better stop right now. Come on. Um, now I, I gave Mac a hard time. I was like, the single hardest thing to do in sports is hit a baseball. Yet you leave it off the list. And I'm, I'm listening to you talk about how much cardio they do in soccer. And here's the thing. Before Soccer Honk gets mad at me. Because me and Soccer Fan have had a good week this week, by the way. Um, I think soccer is... It, it takes an unbelievable level of skill. I think it's de- like at the very least top 15, definitely top 10. Right. So my point is, how do we do? It's not to crap on soccer at all. It's how do we define the hardest sport? What does that mean? Because I can tell I, ask Deion Sanders. Oh, here we go. Perfect. <laughs> perfect t- look, perfect timing. 704 number just said Deion Sanders also said hitting a baseball was the hardest thing to do in sports. And he's played just about everything at a high level. I was going to say, ask Deion, ask Bo Jackson, both played in the NFL. There's, you have it's a different kind of athleticism on the football field but how many times have you seen uh nfl players nba players at a celebrity baseball event get in the batting cage and embarrass themselves P- people forget how many you, judging a fly ball off the bat would be insanely difficult for almost everybody how many athletes in different sports would end up in the in like a plastic surgeon's office just by trying to field a routine ground ball it's not easy so uh, 704 number says golf isn't on your list. Can you shoot a 65 on Tiger Woods 06? I can. In, in real life, not so much. We golf, I can definitely do that. Golf is, inc- is an incredibly difficult sport. There's no doubt about it. Is it the hardest? when you, If you're factoring in athleticism, no, I wouldn't put it. I would th- say it's definitely up there mentally challenging. Mm. Sports. Right. Anyway, Mac wore me out with that this morning. Guess what did you say? The best audio in the world of sports. When we come back, I think Paul Biancardi is going to join us next. Full disclosure, I forgot to text him his reminder. So who knows if Paul... Paul may not answer next. I'm supposed to send him a reminder. I'm I'm not sure if he's going to pick up. But we'll try him. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's Walker Mail from Weston Walker. Join us 12 to 3 on Monday. We'll talk about NFL draft prospects that fit the Carolina Panthers roster. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. KB and Smoke with you here on a Friday. 40 minutes out from Nate Wimberly back in studio, WBTV, longtime sports anchor, sports director, and uh, he joins us in studio every Friday. He brings some takes into the building, into the studio, and we are looking forward to it. Uh, we, we just had a, a spinoff conversation from Mac and Bone this morning, ranking the hardest sports in the world, and the uh, the arguments coming in are interesting. Wolfpack James hit me with a top five. His was Texas Hold'em, Cornhole, Bass Fishing, Badminton, and Curling. Um, so, yeah, beer, beer, maker, beer Maker Man. Where do y'all put motocross? Um, I don't know where I rank it. It's something that I'm I'm not capable of, so I've got respect for it. Um, it's, you're the only person to ask that question. I, I honestly don't know. Uh, John the Beer Man says, I absolutely admit I would never be able to hit a 90-mile-per-hour slider. Somebody told me they just watched a video of Trevor Bauer, you know, some guy from Barstool hitting a, a ball off of Trevor Bauer. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you're swinging the bat in the same two-by-two-foot area when you're facing major league pitching. You got a guy out there throwing you nothing but fastballs. You're probably going to make contact with one, but that's not really the point. Uh, Smoke, you, you do have one or two guys on the, the text line 
that are are putting arguing with you. Seven oh four number says I got I can get lucky and hit a baseball. I can't get lucky going two hundred miles an hour with thirty other people. That's oh that's dirty Mo Micah. Oh that's dirty Mo Micah says I can get lucky and hit a baseball. I can't get lucky going two hundred miles an hour with thirty other people. Yeah, this is why I said how do we define the hardest sports? How do we define them? Physical, mental. Right, but I'm saying if you start breaking that, well, okay, does physicality, athleticism matter more? Are we talking about hand-eye coordination skill? You know, because that's where you're going to get into baseball. You're going to get into golf. You're going to get into NASCAR, you know, in a sense, because it's the the longer sort of marathon gruel. Um, But, like, again, if we're just talking about raw physicality, we're talking about football and basketball, right? I mean, you can make the argument that NBA players are the best athletes in the world. Football players, I, I I wouldn't ever argue that. They're incredible athletes. It's a collision sport. There's a lot going on. But if you said who are the greatest athletes in the world, I'd probably argue, you know, NBA players. Well, I mean, that's why you, you, the joke is that uh, NBA players kind of wished uh, that they had they were kind of football players, but all NFL players thought that they were that their first option was wanting to be basketball players. Then they realized pretty quickly we're a little, not as athletic. Because the most athletically talented and gifted easily go like you watch basically any football players, basketball stuff. It's like in high school, it's like dang, they were clunky. They look like compared to some of the top basketball athletes and ba- the football a- athletes in basketball look like they have two left feet and just clunky. It's rough. I, I mean, didn't you see Jeff King in the? <laughs> yeah, I did. How was he in basketball compared to football? A former Panther tight end, Jeff King. Yes. Yes, he was. He was good. Um, matter of fact, Frank Beamer went to recruit Jeff at a basketball game to play football because he wanted to see his footwork. I mean, it's a, the legend. You know, it's a legendary story that you know Frank Beamer went to go recruit Jeff out of high school because he wanted to see his footwork on the basketball floor to play tight end at Virginia Tech. So um, more texters writing in. Listen, a few people saying MMA. What do you mean, dude? Listen, it's it's number one on my list. I think. Because how else could you need the skill, you need the strength, you need the athleticism, the technique. You know, when you get in the octagon, everything from, you know, jujitsu to wrestling, any kind of grappling to, you know, just regular old stand up, Muay Thai, whatever the case may be. You know, how crazy you have to be to want to wake up every day and get punched in the face, too. And I'm looking at you, Jordan Rinaldi. Like, I I love your sport. Uh, I even dabbled in some jujitsu myself for a couple of years. But you, you have to be a different breed of human to want to get up every day. And to punch and get punched in the face. And get punched hard. I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, to get punched in the face, choked out, get arm barred, get your ankle twisted around 180 degrees. I mean, there's just so much that goes into that sport. And that's why I respect it, but it's why most people don't do it because most people aren't built for that sort of insanity and that kind of, you know, punishment. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they don't have that many fights <laughs> a year. You don't see them maybe like two to three fights a year or something like that, like some of the bigger names. Right. You don't see as many fights for one person. It's, it's because it's such a grueling sport that having like 25 fights, like a whole entire NFL season of fights for one fighter is, I mean, I might kill someone. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. Uh, real quick on this. I don't think we're getting Paul being Cardi right now. Uh, Paul, I think Paul's on TV right now. Smoke, turn it on ESPN. I think Paul forgot to tell me he's on TV. <laughs> I think we got our wires crossed and he forgot to tell me this week that he's on TV today at this time. I think he's actually calling a game right now. I think he's got a high school game right now. Uh. Ah. All right. We'll get Paul back on next week. We'll get him on next week. 704-570-9610. I did have a texter say, hey, KB, if your guest doesn't show up, 
We can have more smoke date night updates. We can make recommendations on a place for date number two. Well, I'm not going to, we're not going to prolong it because A, this is a sports talk show. B, you know, smoke already doesn't like to share his personal life. And C, you know, we're not trying to scare this nice young lady off after just one date, but she clearly likes him. And if you missed it, we had a show announcement at 320 today. And the announcement was that after all these years of trying to coax smoke into the dating scene and encourage him to speak to girls on the beach, ask a young lady out, he finally did it without telling any of us, set up his, his first real big date last night, went on the date, crushed it. They talked until you went to Amelie's and Noda last night, right? Oh, well, that there, they spoiled the spot. What, is somebody going to go check the security cameras on you, Smoke? <laughs> I don't know. You, you went to Amelie's over in Noda last night. Oh, you, yeah. you, you sat there until the place closed down. We're probably maybe one of their people over there is a, is a P1 listener, you know, and, and is now just here. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but Smoke on his first date with this young lady, wine and dined her. They talked all night until the restaurant closed. She asked for his number and then texted you at 5 a.m. this morning. But by the way, I didn't even know how to say Amelie's right until yesterday. Well, we, we got you ready for that too. Yeah, we got you ready for that. So what's the if real quick, this is what people want to know, because several people have asked this. If, if there's a date number two and it seems like there is. What's your idea for date number two? You got any plans? Uh, I, I've, I've actually been thinking about that. If um, a little bit. Yeah, she she likes books. So I didn't know if a bookstore would be the right place. But then again, we're still in the talking phase, mm. I guess. So, mm. you know, going to a, a bookstore where it's supposed to be quiet would not be the best idea. But also she's thinking to play putt putt. Yeah, something like that. Something a little bit fun. Take her to go-karts. No? Uh, yeah, well... You can, you, can, you can show her your love for all things auto sports. Uh, automotive sports. Well, I know there's a couple of pretty cool places as well. Okay. That you could go to. Y'all send Smoke some ideas for date number two. This this young lady is into him. That much is clear. Whether he, whether he likes to admit it or wants to admit it or not. Right? She asked for his number after talking with him all night. I'm not going to admit it because I don't want to be confident. That's it. Well, I get it. I get it. But then she texted him at 5 a.m. this morning. To let him know she was going to check her schedule to see when they could get together again. So, I mean, listen, unless she's listened to the show and she's mortified that we're talking about this right now, I think date number two is a, is a guarantee at this point. We just need the listeners to help us figure out where date number two should, should be. 704-570-9610. Herman Photography loves your idea. He says the bookstore is lit. Do it. 704 number says checkers game. We'll see what people say on the text line. What about like a top golf thing? Ooh, the puttery. That's a good idea. That's a real good idea. The have you been there yet? No, I have not. Oh yeah, I think it's. I don't. Is Velvet Taco still open? I think it's next to Velvet Taco, or at least where it used to be. We'll have to check that out during the break. We'll check it out during the break. Top Golf's coming in on the text line. You got some good people are giving you some good suggestions right now. You better take these, Smoke. You better take them. Just save them. We'll look at these during the break. Tell Smoke where date number two should be because my man crushed date number one. Axe throwing. Come on. Axe throwing? I don't know if that's... It might be fun. Are you into it for date two? I don't know if date two, I don't want to get to that. I mean, that feels a little, you know, serial killery. I don't... <laughs> yeah, we had a nice first date. Let's go axe throwing. I mean, that feels a little serial killery. I got to be real with you. Like, if she called you and was like, hey, where are we going for date two? And you said, we're going axe throwing. I'd understand if she was rightfully intimidated or put <laughs> off by that. I really would. I mean, it sounds like a fun time. Don't get me wrong. I know what it's all about. But date two? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You're nervous right now, aren't you? Yeah. Why are you so nervous? It's weird. I don't like uh, expressing myself like this about my own personal. Well, we're we're keeping all you know. Yeah, we're, all we're, the, the everybody. Men. We're protecting names. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, we what? didn't talk about the uh, date location. Ooh, somebody this. said take her to the Hornets game. That's not a bad idea, Smoke. You think you could do that? Was, is that something you'd be interested in? I, I'm sure the Hornets would take great care of you. They would. Uh, she's also She likes going to games. She's not a big basketball fan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, so she likes going to games, though. Yeah. So you that's a win, man. Okay. I don't know. Take the easy wins when it – listen, I, I, I'm not the all – I like to think I know a thing or two about women, all right? I'm not saying I know everything, but take the easy wins when it comes to women. Remember that one. Take the easy wins when it comes to women. They will make things hard enough on you. Take the easy wins. Okay. Take the layups. Take the bunnies. If she tells you she likes something, maybe use that to your advantage. 704-570-9610. Hit us up. No Paul B. and Cardi this week, but we can look at a couple of big games coming up in the ACC tomorrow. Uh, NC State and Duke is, I think, or I'm sorry, NC State and Carolina is the first one that we're going to jump to on the schedule when you're looking at tomorrow's schedule. Uh, you got Carolina hosting NC State. We know who needs this one the most. We know it's not really a rivalry game, according to Carolina and Duke, but it also is. It's at the Smith Center. Man, State's been really hot and cold up and down, just, you know, kind of state for the last couple of weeks. Lose to Florida State. They beat BC, lost to Syracuse, beat Clemson, lost to, to Wake and Pitt before that. If State's going to make a run at the tournament, if State's going to get in, doesn't it feel like they need to find a way to get this one tomorrow? At, at, to get things rolling, yeah. Right. They're going to need more than just tomorrow. Uh, they're going to need this. They're going to have to win out the rest of the regular season. They're at the very least, I think, going to have to make it to the final. They're going to have to make a run similar to 06 to the conference tournament finals. But even then, I don't know if they'll make it in. They're 80 in the net ratings right now. Maybe, but it, it just we also know we have to get ourselves. If you're anywhere between 60 and 80, you basically have to realize there's going to be at least one or two upsets in this NCAA or this, these conference tournaments that could completely mess up the whole entire algorithm for how this uh, NCAA tournament bracket gets filled. So you can't just think, oh, everything's going to go status quo with the Power Five and some of the Group of Five conferences. So that's another thing you have to go. I just this this one I don't want to put too much on a singular game, but like this one, I think State's got to get this one. Problem is it's in Chapel Hill. I know that's what I'm saying. I mean it, it's going to be a really tall task. It's going to be very difficult for them to do. And I'm not sure they can. I forget the last time they won in Chapel Hill. What is this? Well, we won't get the the, the spread on this one to what later tonight, I guess. First thing in the morning. Thinking what Carolina favored by six, seven? Feels a little low. You think? I think they might go ten, eleven. Yeah, it could be. It could be. So Carolina State tomorrow. Would love to know what State fans feel about that. I mean, is this one that you feel like you have to get to have any semblance of hope to carry some momentum into the tournament and fight your way into the NCAA tournament? Wolfpack James just said it's not happening, KB. It's time to talk about who the next head coach is going to be. All right, you still on Chris Mack? We'll go there with you. Is Chris Mack still your preferred candidate? Because I'd, yeah. I'd stay away from him if I were you. I don't, I don't, I don't love that hire for NC State. Look, I've been wrong before, but I think you can. I think you can do better at NC State. We know who Smoke wants at NC State. Pat Kelsey, yeah. No, Vinny Del Negro. Yeah, that's who you want. Mm -hmm. How old is Vinny Del Negro? I think he's he's fifty-seven years old. What's he wow. up to? Wow, that's young. What's he doing now? Is he on NBA TV still? I don't know because he hasn't coached in about a decade. I think he's still on NBA TV sometimes. I don't know how often. I usually uh, former Raptors coach is usually on there. Who's the Raptors coach when they uh, gave up 81 to Kobe? Oh. Um, Sam Mitchell? 
Was that who it was? Yeah, I think it was Sam Mitchell. That, that's the coach I usually see most of the time on the NBA TV. Yeah, I knew that was Dwayne Casey. I was going to say Dwayne Casey, but I knew that was wrong. <laughs> um, I, th- yes, I think you're right about that, Sam Mitchell. Yeah, it was, it was him and, like, it was funny. Uh, who was the former Bulls coach a couple of years ago that replaced uh, Fred Hoiberg? Af- after Fred Hoiberg, since he's still in the Browns. Oh, oh, oh. Bald guy. Really yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, man. It was the one right after Hoiberg? Yeah, right after. Bald guy. Jim Boylan. Oh. Jim Boylan. That's who it was. I remember when he was on the NBA TV. I'm like, you? He he was there for like three years, I think. Okay. I think he was there for two or three seasons. He wasn't there that long. Um, I mean, next head coach at NC State. We we had that conversation, but I'll take your suggestions because some NC State fans just seem to feel like, oh, it's a waste of time, KB. We're not winning in Chapel Hill tomorrow. Let's start talking about the next phase uh, of state basketball. Also tomorrow, by the way, Duke and Virginia – also, down the, you know, in the Tobacco Road corridor, this one's at Cameron Indoor. Tony Bennett and UVA going to face number 10 Duke. I think Duke gets the win here. I expect them to. I also wouldn't be stunned if Virginia went in there and won. And I don't know why. Because like, like we talked about this week, Virginia's not impressive at all on the offensive end. They don't have a depth of talent. I don't think to run with Duke, but... Because of the way they play, I don't think any of us would be shocked if they went in there and upset Duke tomorrow. That's the crazy thing with Virginia. We're down on them, but we're also scared of them at the same time because, I mean, start a conference play, I wrote them off after the Wake Forest game. Then they went on to win eight games in a row. It's like, all right, Virginia, while not being good, is back to being, you know, solid. And they're going to be a tournament team. Now it's like, oh, they're back to sucking. They can't score 50 points to save their lives. And so it's one of those things, is this the game where it happens? Because you know those Virginia players are getting up, up for this game on the road in Cameron. I'll put it to you like this. If this game was in JPJ, I'd be a lot more nervous as a Duke fan, especially coming off the game last week against Wake Forest. But I honestly don't think we've mentioned the biggest game this week, weekend in ACC play. Huh. It's Wake Forest going to Oh, Cal. Oh, yeah. I haven't even gotten there yet. Yeah, Wake Forest at Virginia Tech. That That's is the biggest. Who? Um, yeah. And yeah. it's not for Virginia Tech. No, no, no. We're <laughs> my Hokies are out of it. Fifteen and thirteen, seven and ten in conference. They blew their opportunity about three games ago. They're it's basketball, though. Well, that's that's what I was going to say. We're watching the women in Blacksburg right now, and they are fantastic, uh, like a history-making women. But the the men's team, second straight year, going to be a bit of a disappointment. Uh, we can have a conversation about that later. But like Wake Forest, they they can't lose this game if they want to make the tournament, especially not coming off that loss to Notre Dame. They have to win this game. Well, and the weird thing is. Heading into like heading into last week, this is still I don't know if this is still a quad one opportunity for Wake. Yeah, that's true. You know what? I was wow, that's true. Yeah. I'm looking at the net right. Yeah. Wow. I was like, how is this a quad one opportunity? But it is. And and see, that's the other thing, man. About the about the net rate. I don't I, I guess because it is in Castle. I mean, look, even if it's a somewhat down year for Virginia Tech, this is Castle Coliseum is one of the toughest places to play in the conference. Well, loudest for sure. Yeah. Well, well I mean, here, here's the crazy thing. They got three games remaining. Wake Forest does. Two of those games are quad one games. Tomorrow, well, I don't know if they beat Virginia Tech, if that takes it to a quad two. I don't like, no, exactly. It could. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay, yeah. so it could turn but the thing to is, a quad. But the thing is, you can't lose it because you're, Wake's one in five in quad one opportunities this year. And, and the problem is they have sucked on the road. That's been their Achilles heel. They are undefeated at home, suck on the road. And the tr- the, it's the same for the Hokies, too. They've been much better at home than on yeah. the road. I mean, most of their losses have come away from Castle. So now, now, luckily, the other quad one game, which I don't think will be changing anytime soon, is their senior night game against uh, Clemson. But Clemson, I mean, Clemson, Clemson, ever since beating UNC, has mostly just been status quo over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. To the point we're not even worried about them on the bubble. It's not and, great. And plus, they got that big win over Pitt, which helped them, too. 
704-570-9610. Keep hitting us up on the FanDuel text line. Patrick from Albemarle says, big pack fan here, but they aren't making the tournament. Fire Keats and on to football season. Uh, I can cheer you up. We talked a bit about uh, uh, everybody's favorite Wolfpack linebacker, Peyton Wilson, earlier today. He ran the fastest 40 time of any linebacker at the NFL Combine. Ran a 4-4-3. Everybody knows how big he is. And I think he's helping himself out. The only concern about him, of course, the injury issues. But um, there's some folks here in Charlotte that would like to see Peyton Wilson in, in, you know, process blue and black. And you got two folks here in the studio that are among that crowd. I don't think you can do it at 33, but uh, I'd love to see it happen here, especially if there was some sort of move made that put them in position to draft him. Please slip to the third round. Please (laughs) slip to the third round. Pick 65. If he's putting up those kind of, you know, measurables at that size, I don't know that he makes it that long. How come? You said day three or round three? Pick 65, round three. Okay, round three, yeah. That's even still a stretch at this point, I think. It's hard to say. Let's go to smoke on the headlines. All right, Kyle, want to let everyone know that this report is brought. Oh, yeah? Yeah, oh, here it is. This report <laughs> is brought to you by Renewal. I was on the wrong tab. Uh, this report is sponsored by Renewal by Anderson of the Carolinas. Spring is right around the corner, about three weeks away. And Renewal by Anderson of the Carolinas is here to help. Get your home ready. Go to freewindowassessment.com. That's freewindowassessment.com today. Well, uh, we know the Hornets injury report for the most part. It's LaMelo and Mark are out. Grant Williams showed up with a lower back injury, but he's probable. So don't know what to make of that. But the uh, Sixers injury report for a home game tonight for Philly is very interesting, Kyle. Joel Embiid, Robert Covington, DeAnthony Melton are all out tonight. Out. So no Joel Embiid tonight. Kelly Oubre, Tsunami Poppy, and KJ Martin are both questionable. So we could see Tsunami tonight. Don't know. But... Of course, the thing is, the Sixers have more than just one well, star player. Well, I was going to say, they're, they're much deeper than the Hornets, yeah. for sure. I yeah. also We're going to talk to Keith Pompey, our good buddy from the Philadelphia Inquirer. He also, I think these days, hosting the Locked On Sixers podcast. But he's the longtime Philly 76ers beat writer for the Inquirer up there. He's going to join me and Bone on the pregame show coming up at 610. We'll get the latest from him. What else you got? All right. Uh, moving on to baseball. Uh, Fanatics, who does all the stuff for the MLB jerseys. They've come on under fire for having see-through pants and awful uniforms. See butts. Yes. Uh, well, Fanatics founder and who could, a guy who could have been the Panthers owner at one point, Michael Rubin says his company is being unfairly blamed for new MLB uniforms that have see-through pants. Who could be blamed? Uh, Fanatics should not be being blamed. Should this. not be. Why is that? It's being Because he owns the company and he now knows that he's in some hot fire so, well, yeah but i'm saying what is the rationale behind saying we shouldn't be blamed for the thing that w- we made i don't know oh, okay i guess i'll look into that during the break that's patently absurd we'll come back we'll tell you who balled out 20 minutes away from nate wimberly and studio sports radio 92.7 wfnz this is trey man and you're listening to sports radio 92.7 wfnz fn harrisburg and wlnk hd3 charlotte home of the charlotte sports fan intercepted by julius peppers and he takes it all the way 47 yards for the score here comes ryan blaney ryan blaney will survive and win the bank of america roval 400 
beautiful Smokey. Uh, let's tell them who balled out. Powered by High Performance Real Estate Advisors and the biggest dead gum baller of them all, Thomas Elrod. Go to highperformancerealestate.com and they'll see you. Yes, you at the closing table. What you got, Smoke? The Magic are a fun team. They are. And it's been a while since we've been able to say that. And a large reason why is Paulo Bencaro. 29 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists. That's just a reminder, too, that uh, the Magic are coming here next week. So if you want to see a good game, Magic Hornets should be a good one next week. Paulo Bencaro and Brandon Miller. Ooh. Who balled out? Evan Smoke Ludwig. My man whined and dined a young lady until the, the restaurant closed last night, folks. He got the digits, and he got the first text this morning at 5 a.m. My man's officially on the dating scene, and he's officially dominating. Evan Smoke Ludwig. Balling out. I wind and dines with kings and kings, eating pulse <laughs> and beans, baby. Somebody just said, love the new balling out intro. Hey, so that's all smoke. That is all smoke. Look at the confidence. Are are hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. I can't even. I'm stuttering. Um, this man just got full Dusty Rhodes confidence in his dating life. Less than 24 hours. He sh Look at Hoggard. Hoggard shimmying down the hallways like Dusty Rhodes. Is that how you left the date last night? Just shimmying through the Amelie's parking lot in Noda? I wish I had uh, the fur coat that Dusty Rhodes had in the mid-80s with Magnum TA. <laughs> look that up. I have, if you've... If, if you want to look at the most confident white man ever, it's Dusty Rhodes in a massive fur coat with Magnum TA. By the way, I, I also want to mention that it's a big weekend in wrestling in the state of North Carolina oh. because uh, this weekend is uh, Sting's last match in the Greensboro Coliseum. When the time comes, you got to look at her and say, I'll be your huckleberry, baby, all night long. That's a Dusty Rhodes quote. Yeah, there, there's a lot. I know that. <laughs> there's a lot of dusty. There's a lot of dustyisms. I, I like yours, though. I've wined and dined with kings and queens. That's so good. There's Don't. also the famous one. He got a bicycle. He got a bicycle. <laughs> All right, 704-570-9610. Nate Wimberly in studio coming up in 13 minutes. This man is not uh, – he, he's not impressed by what he's seen from the Charlotte Hornets. We'll put it that way. He's, he's not impressed at all. Um, I did want to go back, though, to Merrill Hodge for a second. I'm going to play some of this for Nate Wimberly coming up at 5 o'clock to see what he thinks about it. But, Smoke, give me 50, if you would, please, because, uh, you know, we talked about how yesterday Merrill Hodge, who joined Weston Walker here on FNZ, just went at – uh, Drake, I mean, there aren't many things, if anything, that he dislikes less than Drake May's game as an NFL quarterback prospect, um, except maybe Bryce Young of your Carolina Panthers. When you watched him play from the pocket, that is when 5'9 showed up and his limited ability to throw. It almost imagined like you're in a pocket and then you have a rainbow out there. Okay, that was his radius. Okay. If he can't throw any time, and he can't throw the ball outside of that with any sense of accuracy or consistency. Then you go CJ Stroud, you got no limitations, zero. You got ways to do things with him that are you know are magical. What, what they were thinking there? I mean, I don't know who made the decision. I, I've still never heard who made it. Um, um, it, it to me, I, I think it's ownership because usually when ownership makes that decision, they fire everybody. So they, they're not going to get everybody rid of everybody that can hold them accountable um, or say it's their fault that they didn't develop them. But as hard as this kid works, he's never going to be 6'3". And listen, from 6'1 to 5'9", 6'1's a problem. You know, like I go to Caleb Williams, 6'1 is going to be a, a problem. And that is, that is true across the board with passing lanes and seeing things and missing things and how defenses will handle you in the NFL versus what experience you have in college. That will be a factor, and you'll always be dealing with that. All right, so... He also made the comment about how Bryce is so small that even if the kicker got home, it could bring him down. 
Well, there was that, and he feels like if he gets hurt, uh, the person that hurts him would have to be charged with murder or something like oh, that. that. Well, actually, I think that's it, was it. Give me was it fifty? No, it was fifty two. Give me fifty two. Where he keeps talking about how the Panthers will always have to account for his size limitations. They'll always be dealing with five nine. He will always have limitations of where he threw the football. Now, listen, from a how I evaluate, he knows how to play the position though. He really does. He had. I gave him a ten on toughness because he took some hits. In college, then I'm like, oh, my gosh, how did he get up? I'm like, that is the toughest dude I've ever seen. But here's the problem in the NFL. Sometimes you're like, boy, who are we going to get there that can finish? There's not a team in the NFL that goes, our kicker could get there and finish because he's so tiny. <laughs> I mean, and I, was, I even put in my notes, I go, somebody might be arrested for murder when they hit him because he is just so small. And he won't last an entire season. And he's not going to. I go, if you're okay with him playing 14, 15 games, then draft him. You know, if you're okay with being limited every week that you go out there with how you're going to have to game time and you have to scheme around that, it's already hard enough when you have a guy with no limitations. <laughs> so there's a lot there. But here's the problem that I have with some of that. Some Panther Dell says he's double-talking, KB. He was. He was. And I'll give I'll give him credit, Right. Uh, Merrill Hodge was all over Johnny Manziel back. I mean, he's he's absolutely nailed some. He was all over Johnny Manziel back in the day. I think he also, C.J. Stroud was his guy last year, I believe. Yep. So, it looked like everybody else, he's been right about some, wrong about some. But when you start talking about, well, hell, when the kicker gets home, he's, he's going to finish Bryce. Well, then why was Bryce at or near the top of the NFL and sacks evaded this year? He, he's he's really difficult to bring down. I know I know he's 5'10 and a quarter or whatever it is. Okay, we all under we knew that he was a smaller guy when they drafted him. None of that is a surprise. But you know, with when Merrill's still on this, well, a kicker could bring him down if he got home. No, we couldn't. No, we could go back to Todd Bowles now. You know, again, to be fair, Todd Bowles still thinks that Bryce Young is a future Hall of Famer despite having a rough first season. Todd Bowles loves him some Bryce Young. But you know, when the second go round between the Panthers and the Bucks came up, one of the first things that Todd Bowles pointed out was how difficult he is to bring down and how many sacks he'd evaded. And at that point in the season, I believe he led the NFL in sacks evaded in the pocket. So Bryce is very adept in many ways, you know, at avoiding contact and avoiding oncoming rushers. It just so happened that a lot this year, it was either, you know, the, the offensive line, half of it played like a turnstile at times, or to be fair and to be, you know, I guess equitable in, in spreading the blame. You know, Bryce sometimes ran himself into sacks, but he's extremely evasive back there. You, you can't reconcile, oh, well, anybody could get back there and bring him down when the guys that you're so worried about killing him really couldn't bring him down all that easily. So I, I just still think we're making too much of this. At this point, I want to know, can they put a system, in, can they install a system? Can Dave Canales do what he says he's going to do and design, construct an offense around his words, what Bryce is good at, and elevate the play of this young man? And then all of this becomes background noise that, noise that fades away. And it's one of those situations, I think, you know, we've kind of mentioned it in the last week or two. And I've heard Josh, Josh Norris of Underdog Fantasy, former uh, intern here at WFNZ, mention it too. Just imagine, like, if they just get league average type weapons around him next year, how different will it look? I mean, we've seen how the Hornets looked after the trade deadline. If anything, that just gets you to around an average type of rotation, if anything, uh, at the at the worst, and you see how much of a difference it's made. I know they've lost the last two games, but it is what it is. 
but they're still five and three since the deadline. Imagine what happens if you just get league average stuff, how much different Bryce Young looks as a quarterback, as a player, and how the offense looks. Now, it isn't the greatest thing. You still got to take that next step, but I feel like if you just get league average stuff around Bryce Young, we'll, a lot of people will be a lot more, a lot more excited about what Bryce Young can do in the NFL. I'm with you. 704-570-9610. Keep hitting us up. Uh, AJ said he called his shot, though. Not only was CJ his guy pre-draft, he was on air saying Bryce was a second-round grade when that was wildly unpopular. Well, I still think it's wildly unpopular. I, I still think that's an unpopular opinion that Bryce is a second-round guy. But you're right. He called his shot about CJ, and right now it looks like he's right about CJ Stroud. I will absolutely give credit where it's due. Um, couch coach Kyle said that Bryce leading the league in sacks evaded, which I'm not sure he did at the end of the year. He's near, he's at or near the top in that column. Uh, last I checked toward the end of the year, then I stopped looking. Um, I, I did. It didn't matter anymore. Uh, couch coach Kyle said leading the league in sacks evaded while also leading the league in sacks kind of cancels each other out. No, it doesn't. Most of those sacks were on the offensive line. As we noted, they played like nine different guard combinations this year. I think they had like five or six different guard-center-guard combinations this year. Let's face it, the starting offensive line was never intact because Austin Corbett had to miss the first half of the year. Yeah. It, Brady Christensen got hurt in week one. Yep. Which I think that was one of the best weeks of the offensive line, ironically, was when Brady Christensen was there. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's to be expected, right? And then Icky had a legendarily awful second year. Mm-hmm. And on the other, I mean, Bozeman wasn't the best. No. And then just a quick note on Moten, you know, Moten was up and down, but he was probably the best of the bunch was the best of the bunch. And sometimes I think we forget that Moten was drafted 64th. Right. And I only say that to say there are a couple of starters out there, not, not, not just on this team, but many across the rest of the NFL that they weren't taken in the first round. They weren't taken 33rd or 37th, you know, but Taylor Moten, they found not just a starter, but an Iron Man type of starter who doesn't miss games with the 64th overall pick. And the weird thing is, I saw someone mention this recently. It's a kind of a thing that's changed in the NFL. And it's it, hopefully Icky doesn't pertain to this. Isn't the next statistic you mentioned when it comes to offensive linemen. A lot of the offensive linemen today over the lat that have been drafted in the last 10 to 15 years, outside of a select few, like Trent Williams is one of the exceptions, but he's first ballot Hall of Famer. A lot of the top offensive linemen have been mid-round guys. A lot of the offensive linemen nowadays that get taken in the first round, like top 10, top 15, seems like a good portion of them don't work out. I don't know if you've noticed that recently. Too. Uh, I haven't thought that much about it, but I, I can see where you're on to something. Because you mentioned Taylor Moten. Remember who was picked right before him? Deion Dawkins. Oh, yeah. And I think Carolina wanted Deion what, he before. Buffalo? Ta- yeah, he, Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah, He's yeah. been with Buffalo the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I can't remember if they drafted him or not, but yeah, okay. I mean, so it's just something I've, I've noted. Like, when I saw that get mentioned, I'm like, it makes sense. And that's why I don't mind waiting until the third round or even early day three for Carolina to take an interior offensive lineman this year. There you go. Especially with this draft. Hour number three next, Nate Wimberly, WBTV in studio. And I talked to him in the parking lot when we were both leaving work last night. My man's loaded for bear next on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.